Praise God. Welcome to all of our guests tonight. If you're visiting tonight, we're so glad to have you joining us online tonight. Thank you for being a part of this service wherever you may be. Bishop and Mother Ryder in Chicago and uh, ministering and on, I think, Tuesday evening. Bishop will be ordaining Brother Rick Gonzalez uh, as bishop, and so uh, that's where they are, but we give honor to them tonight, and even in their absence, praise God, amen, praise God. Let's do things a little bit different here tonight, I'm going to pray, and then you're going to sit and I'm going to preach instead of reading and praying and sitting so lord thank you for your presence that we feel in this place tonight thank you father for what you've already done i believe god that your spirit has touched lives in this place physically spiritually emotionally i thank you for that touch father i pray tonight god now through your word lord that you would speak to us tonight let your spirit minister in this place. Let us hear a word from you tonight, God. Not a sermon, but let it be a word that would come from you. I ask you and trust you, Lord, for your anointing tonight, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I will read the Bible at some point here, just so you'll know. So if you will... Uh, You'll bear with me. We'll get there in a few moments. Throughout Scripture, we find various typology for what uh, we are as individuals and what we are as the church. We find that we are individually the sons of God. We know that collectively we are the bride of Christ. We are sheep. So if we are sheep individually, collectively, that makes us a flock of sheep. We are servants. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are soldiers. We are an army as the church. And so there's all of these different, and I know there are probably others that I have not mentioned here, but to me these are kind of the main ones that we usually think of, again, whether it's individually or collectively. The problem is we, we have certain ones of those that we like. There's certain ones of those that we prefer. I've, I've heard some say that, you know, a church is a hospital. The church is a hospital for people to come to and then and then I've heard people argue, well, it's not a hospital. And actually, I, I am of the opinion. I, I, I'm okay with the idea of it's a, it's a hospital. Because you know what I found from some of my own personal experiences at the hospital? Not always just pampered and coddled. and They do some cutting on you. They do some taking stuff out. Sometimes they can put stuff in, and then you wake up and you hurt. You feel worse after than what you did before. 
Brother Chris Heights going through shoulder surgery, got him in a sling there, can't move, and I, I, I'm sure he can identify with it as well as a bunch of other with you. I, I had shoulder surgery as well, and the pain post-surgery was 20 times worse than anything I ever had before. It hurt, but I could move, and then you get surgery, and they want you to move it, and and and, and, and you can't... It's excruciating, and then you know you go there, and they want you go to physical therapy, and they're pressing the limits, and 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 so some people, the church is a hospital, meaning well, it's all just sweet and kind, but you know what? It is a hospital. We come and we get surgery, and we get cut on some, and we get we get some things taken out, and some things put in, and so, but we all kind of have you know our own and. And, and there are various ones that, that are more comfortable and appeal more to our flesh. The bottom line to me is we, we take something from each one of those. And, and, and depending on the time and the place and the circumstances, different ones of those things apply to us. Whether, whether we're simply being servants or whether we are, you know, just it's the body that we're referring to or it's sheep or it's soldiers, Paul said to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. And so when it comes to the army side of it, when it comes to the idea that we as the body are an army, that, that means there's some stuff we probably have to do and ways we have to conduct ourselves that may not appeal to our fleshly natural desires. And so I've got to be willing to allow all of these to apply. I guess tonight, really, if I was going to pick one of these as kind of the, 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 uh, the one to kind of stand out for tonight, it, it would be that last one that we are soldiers and that the church is an army and that we are engaged in a battle. We are engaged in a fight. Edmund Burke said, nothing is so fatal to religion as indifference. See, if we're not careful, we can become satisfied with just coming to church and church being about us and church being about a good service and church being about us getting a need met, getting a word from God, getting encouragement and uplifted and and become indifferent to the fact that there is a spiritual battle that is going on in our world today. And if we become indifferent, if we become passive, we will never win the battle. could put the picture for me up on the screen back in January. Actually, do you the, the photo, do you have that? Back in January, I was, took, I think, Esther and Nathaniel, I think. We took uh, Brother Lee's daughter and Rachel from the church in Singapore to New York City for the afternoon, evening to do some sightseeing and show them some of the main sites. And we had done Central Park and driven to them by for them to see the Statue of Liberty. And and then we went, last stop was dinner at Times Square and walk around there. And, and it was about five or so when we got to Times Square. And this is back in January. And when I got out of the car, it was it was the, the, the thermal 
the thermometer on the car was reading about 35 degrees or so, and it was the sun had gone down, and so there was no no way to get a little bit of warmth from the sun, and it was very windy, and I don't know wind chill. It was probably at least mid 20s, and and we walk out to Times Square, and this guy is standing out there with this sign. At least an hour or so more. I don't know how long he had been there. But at least an hour or so more, I saw him again, still standing with his sign. TV is brainwashing. Anybody have any, any guesses as to what you think the impact he had on folks that evening was? How many lives do you think went home and reevaluated what they watched on TV because of that guy standing in Times Square with his sign telling them TV is brainwashing? I, I saw at one point somebody that stopped for a moment and was, was talking to him. It seemed to be a civil conversation. It seemed to be, you know, it wasn't anything, uh, uh, some big debate or argument, just a simple conversation. Other than that, it, Nobody stopped. Nobody carried on a conversation with him. And again, I seriously doubt anybody went home, moved to change because of the sign. He, I, 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 I commend the guy for having the guts to dot you what you probably you'd have to pay me a decent amount to go stand in the middle of Times square with thousands of people walking by and just stand there hold a sign saying tv is bringing you um, do i believe what he's saying probably <laughs> do i have any hope or confidence that by doing that i could impact a life i don't really have much faith I really don't have much confidence that I would accomplish a whole lot by that. The problem is, if all we see ourselves outside of here is just somebody standing with a board, we miss the significance of who and what we are. Because as was already put up before this picture, the church is the only hope in this world today. Now, I, I know Jesus, but that's the given because the church can't do its part without Jesus. But the only hope we have today in this world is the church. But an indifferent church is not going to do it. An indifferent church is not going to do much more than that guy standing there with his sign as thousands walk by and look with a quick glance and probably mostly with a sneer and a snicker at what he's doing. But if there's a hope today, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me add the disclaimer as I continue to preach. I, some, I don't, I'm not here to offend. I'm not here to, to, to devalue. I'm not here to imply 
that you and we are doing nothing. That, that's not my motive tonight. I've come with a challenge. I've come with a reminder. If you're already doing, then tonight is a reminder of why we're doing. And the reason we're doing what we're doing is we're, we're not just trying to affect a few people. We're not just trying to affect the way a few folks think. But if there's any hope in this world today, if there's any hope in America today, it's got to be the church. It's got to be the church not being indifferent to the conditions that are going on around us. And it's got to be a church that isn't just satisfied with coming to church, a couple of times a week and enjoying the presence of God and the move of God and, and God touching some lives and, and that's all well and good but we've got to realize if there's any hope out there it's the fact that a church, the church is not indifferent to what's going on and is not content and satisfied to simply go through the motions of religion and go through our religious duties and obligations but recognize if there is a hope, it's us. I've heard this quote as well as I'm sure many of you have and looked it up. There's various ideas of who said it first or various ways that it's been said. And so one of the sources I found is the man I've already quoted. The statement is this, the only thing necessary for well, the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And if we as the church, and I'm not talking just this church tonight, some of what I'm talking about is a challenge to us as a church, but more so the church worldwide, the body of Christ. If we are content and we just simply do nothing in this battle, then evil is going to triumph. Because there's no government, there is no political party, there is no organization, the United Nations or anything else that has the ability to stop the evil things in this world that are going on. The only hope there is, is that there is a church that rises up and is truly the church and operates in the power and the authority that it is supposed to operate in. And I've come to challenge you tonight. There's some things we, we sit back in the good old U.S. of A. And think we are exempt from. That they're a lot closer to us than we think. And it's not just the other side of the world anymore. It's not just an a, a, a day's plane ride away from us but now it's starting to be in our own backyard and if somehow we as the church don't wake up and realize if we don't take a stand and we don't become everything we're supposed to be there is no hope see th there's some things in our world that if they cease to exist it's really not an issue or if they don't succeed, or if they find some level of mediocrity to sustain them, it's okay. I don't know what in the world is going on, but it seems to me 
There is a pharmacy popping up on every street corner. What is it up there in Brooklyn Park? Rite Aid on one side and Brother Bar right across the street where you're Hammond Lane or whatever that is. There's, there's other places. CVS this corner, Walgreens that. Rite Aid here. Like, honestly? Is there, a, is there a, that much business that these places can survive right across the street? If CVS goes out of business, oh well. Find someplace else to get what you need. There are some things that it really doesn't matter. really doesn't matter if Safeway continues as long as they're still giant. Or if giant goes out of business in Safeway, we still got food lion, shoppers, whatever else, Sam's, BJ's, Costco. If they survive, great. If not, we can find an alternative. There's a couple of restaurants that I'd hate to see them go out of business, but if they do, I'll find another one. Another one's going to pop up somewhere. If, God forbid, Walmart ever left us, we, we, we'd still find some place to get what we need. There's still an alternative. It really doesn't matter. really doesn't matter. There's places that are no longer in existence that used to be a favorite of mine to shop at or a favorite of mine to eat at. Oh well, my world has not stopped. My life has not ended because they no longer exist. But I've, I've found an alternative and it's okay with all of that. You can, if Ford happens to go belly up, you can, you can start driving a GMC. If that falls apart, you can get a, get a Hyundai. It doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. One goes, we'll find another one. One ceases to exist, something else will take their place, and if it doesn't, we'll figure out how to live without it. Can I tell you tonight, it don't work that way with the church. It doesn't work that way with the church. I'm not talking about a church, and I'm not talking about a specific brand name, and I'm not just talking about Antioch tonight. It doesn't work that way with the church. If the church ceases to exist, there's not an alternative to the church. If the church doesn't survive, and not just survive, but conquer and grow and mature, there is not an alternative. This is more than just about my preference of religious activity. This is more than just about the religion I've chosen to associate with. This is more than just the fact that most of the time an apostolic service is enjoyable to be in and there's usually something that's a little intriguing and somebody does something that if you're bored it'll keep you from being bored. It's more than just that. more than the fact we just need something to do on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Thursday night or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or whatever other night you're involved in ministry. It's about the fact the only hope the world's got 
is for the church to be the church. I sat the other day. I, I Nosy people get on my nerves so bad. One of the things that gets under my skin more than anything else is nosy people. Trying to talk to somebody and you walk up in the middle of conversation and at the very least you just stand there and listen. At worst you start jumping in. and Between A and B, see you later. Can't stand nosy people. I, my wife can sit on the phone with somebody and I can get the gist that there's a problem, serious problem somewhere. She can get off the phone and I'll, I'll never even stop to ask, who was that, what was that about? That's how much I've tried to train myself. If somebody wants me to know, tell me. Otherwise, I'm presuming it's not my business. So I, that's, that's just that's me. That's the way I am. That's the way I, I just... I try to hide it when it happens. I try not to disrespect anybody or let them know how bad it irks me. But it, it irks me, so I've, I've striven to not be nosy. So with all of that rant being said, a couple of weeks ago I was nosy. I sat waiting for my car to be washed. As I sat waiting for my car to be washed, there was a gentleman that walked in, and based on what he was wearing, gathered pretty quick what his religious association was. He sat down in the seat right next to me. I was sitting there piddling around on my phone, and sitting there and he got his phone out, gotten a text and I, I took a peek over my shoulder as <laughs> discreetly as I possibly could. And the gist, the gist of what I caught sitting Ten minutes from here, in Annapolis, Maryland, there's a gentleman telling somebody else, I want to do what Allah has for me to do. Not somewhere on the other side of the world. Just a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, One of our ministries was out inviting some kids to church. A little girl, I think it was a little girl, wanted to come. Went to the house to ask permission for her to come. She was refused by the man at the house to come because he was a Muslim and refused for her to attend. I'm not trying to be an alarmist here tonight because... What I'm preaching about is more than one religion because there's a lot more stuff that falls into the context of what I'm preaching tonight than a religion. But I'm telling you tonight, if we want to sit back and be passive, 
just go through the motions of church. We got trouble coming because the only hope we've got is for the church to be the church. For the church to exercise the authority and the power that is in the church. To be who it is we've been called to be and exercise the power and the authority that we have been given to exercise. That is the only hope. You can make up your mind. You just want to come to church a few times a week and, and let's actually, let's eliminate as much as we have to do. You know that there is, there is this, there is a law called the conservation of energy. Conservation of energy is a fundamental concept of physics along with the conservation of mass and the conservation of momentum. Within some problem domain, the amount of energy remains constant and energy is neither created nor destroyed. Energy can be converted from one form to another. Potential energy can be converted to kinetic energy. But the total energy within the domain remains fixed. Time is just like that. We have a set amount of time. We got 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week set. Why is it so much of Christianity is given in to giving up time connected to things that have to do with God? And the church is pressured to cut back and cut out. Get me in, get me out. Get, don't mess with too much of my time. Cause I've only got so much time. Yeah, you're right. You got a set amount of time and you're going to spend it on something. Why not spend it on something eternal? Why not spend it on something that is going to go beyond this week, this evening, this month, this year, but something that is going to be of eternal value? I got to tell you, I don't know what, I don't know what these elders and what they're, they're facing, but I'm, I, I'm getting frustrated and tired of this feeling being squeezed. Let's get church in. Let's get church over with. Let's get church done. Let's get this. We, we got stuff to do. And, and in the midst of that, we, we, we become nothing more than somebody standing with a sign. Hopefully you'll stop long enough to read what I'm saying and it'll impact you. Otherwise, I'm just going on about my business. Because can I tell you tonight, the impact that the church needs to have, it's not going to happen in a protest. It's not going to happen with a picket line with some signs holding up some statement. It's not going to happen there. It's not going to happen through the church influencing the legislature. It's not going to happen for the church getting involved in all kind of political aspects and arenas. The only way the church is truly going to have the impact the church is going to have is by casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God bless those people that stand every now and then up in Severna Park with their signs near the abortion clinic protesting abortion. God bless them, but that's not going to change the world. 
That's not going to change the world. The only thing that's going to change the world is for the church to become the church. And like it was said in the book of Acts, these are those that have turned the world upside down. How is it they turn the world upside down? It's not through their intellect. It's not through their eloquence. It's not through all of their natural gifts and abilities. It's not through their talents. It's not through their programs. But the reason they turned the world upside down they took note that they were unlearned and they were ignorant men but one thing they knew was they had been with Jesus and because they had been with Jesus wherever they went those that were lame got up and walked those that were blind would see those that were bound were delivered I'm not talking about just more evangelism and more outreach but I'm talking about manifesting the power of who and what we are I, I, I am not a biblical prophecy scholar. My biblical prophecy knowledge is very limited for better or worse. I don't think this thing's ever going to be wonderful like it used to be. But at the same time, what I do know from the Word of God is we are not called to be a bunch of victims just hanging on and enduring until Jesus comes. We're not called to be the last little few that somehow in the midst of all the pressure and opposition, we were able to hang on until the end. We have been called to be more than conquerors. We have been called to be overcomers. We have been called to be victorious. We've been called on a com on a college campus with all kind of humanistic th ideology and all kind of worldly philosophies being crammed down to the minds of the young people of this country and other countries. We're called to walk in to a swimming pool on a college campus and take somebody and say in the name of Jesus Christ, I now baptize you for the remission of sins in Jesus name I know it probably won't be what's that I ought to know it's been too long what's the college paper called there the diamond bag there won't be a front page article tomorrow probably about what took place there won't be a bunch of news being published about it. But I do believe that today when those individuals went down into the water in the name of that old swimming pool water. That just old plain old swimming pool. But when those people went down in the name of Jesus was called, I believe that throughout that campus there in the supernatural there was some tremors that went out and the enemy realized there's something going on on my territory not just the baptistry on Richie Highway but on my turf
Matthew 5.11. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. How many want to be blessed? Yeah? Yeah, the, this not this one. This isn't the one we want. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Isn't it amazing? People are more interested in blending in for their own sake than being persecuted and reviled for His sake. He said, Blessed are you. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Boy, we have a Holy Ghost fit. Ladies having hairpins flying everywhere. My God, what you so excited? You must have just got a raise. No, just got persecuted a little bit today. Just had one of my co-workers give me a little bit of hard time because of, because of my faith and my belief. Just, just had somebody put me down a little bit today because of this tongue-talking thing and this one God thing. And so just come to rejoice a little bit because I'm, I'm rejoicing with those that have gone before that have experienced the same thing because great is my reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are. Ye are. Ye are. The salt of the earth. Oh God. That a fresh revelation hit this place tonight of who and what we are. We are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. If the church is not affecting the flavor of the world, it's lost its purpose. You know, I, I was talking to... Staff member just the other day, one of the challenges of being on church staff and working here all the time is you don't, you, you, you don't spend a lot of time with sinners. Well, sort of. Uh, they're all my friends, so I, I lump myself in that category too. But you, you, you're not around non-church people, you know, witnessing and we don't, we, we need some witnessing to each other sometimes, and we do that, and we help each other and encourage and rebuke each other every now and then. But most of you work in secular environment, and you're around sinners all the time, unsaved sinners, and you come to church and you're around saved sinners. So I, I, that's been my one of my lots in life, but one of the reasons, I, I no way implying and being sounding super spiritual because it's not probably not even the main reason but one of the reasons I, 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 I stay faithful playing racquetball is it gives me a chance regularly to connect and be around unbelievers and so in that context I've experienced more and more what many of you I'm sure experience and that people's perceptions of Christianity is crazy in a lot of ways, but one way is the perception that I that, that they don't really know what it's all about. I, I'm not I'm not talking Godhead plan of salvation. I'm talking about 
the power, the transforming power, the, the, the life-changing power. I played Thursday morning. I don't normally play Thursday morning. I had to play a makeup game, and I played this guy. He's, he was new to the league, and we were talking in between games a little bit. You know, what do you do? And he said, I heard you're a preacher. Yeah, we're at. told him where, and he lives in Arnold, blah, blah, blah. And so we, we had finished playing, and so he said, well, I guess you're probably off going home to get a shower and head to church, start working on writing your sermon for Sunday. Like, man, there's so many different levels to what you just said that are so untrue. So, well, actually, I got church tonight, so I got to worry about that first. Then beyond that, I won't be doing any writing for Sunday either. We'll be doing some studying, gathering a little bit of notes, but not writing because let's just get a little speech together. I, I, I just, I, in my, my untheologically educated brain, just happened to believe there's still something about the foolishness of preaching. I, I just still believe there's something that's able to happen through preaching and lives can be delivered and chains can be broken and people can get hope and people can find answers through the preaching of the Word of God, not by me giving you some kind of motivational speech or some good some good speech that I've worked a couple of days to write. But if somehow I can, and sometimes I feel like it's just an accident, I know all these other preachers here, they're full of confidence and faith and all that. But every now and then, I just feel like the blind squirrel. I caught an acorn today. I, I'm telling you, I, I don't know what your perceptions of me or these other guys are. But I, they, they, after doing this for 20 plus years, I still, I'm like, man, I, how did I get that? Where'd that come from? There were no, there were no trumpets preceding that word, but somehow, somewhere along the way, I got it. And it worked, and it helped, and it connected, and it was what somebody needed. And somebody said, you just, I was just talking about this yesterday, and you answered what I was talking about. We were just discussing this today, and everything you said was what we discussed, and you answered it. That's not a sermon. That's not just getting up and giving a speech. That's the fact that we're the church. And when the church gets together, and there is a connection with the bride, with, with the, with the the groom and the groom begins to work with the bride and the power and the spirit begin to flow something more than just holding up a sign begins to happen you, you just you know what folks the, the part of the challenge of the day is all of this intellectual stuff there's a lot of Christians and there's even Pentecostals and Apostolics that are falling into the trap of intellectualism. I can't explain to you. I cannot intellectually explain to you what happens in that tank back there if somebody takes you and puts their hands on you and says, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And if you haven't gotten it already, then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Intellectually, it doesn't make sense. It's silly. It's kind of humbling. Put on a green or blue robe in public. Step into this tank in front of people. 
Sometimes the water's cold. Thank God, I don't think we have this problem anymore, but used to walk in there. Oh, God, please blind their eyes. Don't let them see the film of what's floating around on the top of this baptistry today. Please, God, don't let them see it. Getting that water. Preacher puts them under and they come back up. They get out of there. How many hundreds of thousands of people have said this or something pretty close? I feel so light. Feel like a load is lifted. How old was Timothy when he got? How old you Timothy he got baptized? Five years old. My, my Timothy at five years old came up out of that water and just broke that plane of that water, and tears started streaming down his face. And 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 shortly after that, we were still hadn't even left the building. Dad, what is it with that water? It's like magic makes you cry. Oh, that, that's what we're all about. I, I was reading today. I was found a link and scrolling Facebook for a minute. Found a link for a church and Pentecostal church. Found that link and reading their articles of faith, what they believe, and one of the one of the one of the statements about baptism that just jumped out at to me in there is it's it's about a public profession of faith. If baptism is a is if if part of the primary purpose of baptism is a public profession of faith, then the Ethiopian eunuch really messed up. Because he and Philip were out in the middle of nowhere. There was no public to see what he was doing. And they're riding along in the chariot. And he says, hey, there's water. What stops us? Well, we don't have a crowd. We need to announce Baptism Sunday so we can get a bunch of folks there to see the profession of faith. Baptism, I'm sorry, but I find nowhere in the book that a written reason in the book is is, is primarily a public profession of faith. The purpose of baptism is me being buried in the name that is above every other name. And through that, I identify with the burial of Jesus Christ. And then when I come up out of that water, I identify with the resurrection. So whether I'm in church and there's 500 people watching, or if it's just me and the person doing the baptizing, something happens in the water. You know what? You go to Popeye's tonight, don't walk into Popeye's and order a Whopper. <laughs> They're going to look at you like you are crazy. But I want a Whopper. You know what? Nobody in Popeye's behind the counter is going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that we don't offer Whoppers. I'm so sorry that all we have is chicken. I'm so sorry that shrimp, we don't have Whoppers. Let's go, let us go get you a whopper. No. No. Don't walk into Burger King and ask for pepperoni pizza. You ain't getting it. 
And they don't care because they specialize in a whopper and other stuff like that. Why is it we can't just embrace what we are, who we are? Sorry, my shoe's coming untied. Some of you won't have any clue what this is, but a few of you still will. I'm a one God apostolic, tongue-talking, holy roller, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberating power of Jesus' name. I've been washed in the blood, sanctified by the Spirit. I believe in holiness, and I suggest you do the same. I was set free at a Pentecostal altar on my knees. So pardon me if I'm not ashamed to be a one-God apostolic, tongue-talking, holy roller, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberating power of Jesus' name. That's who we are. That's what we are. And that's what they need. We are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You think the devil's spending time in hell coming up with strategies to fight the White House? I don't think so. You think he's trying to come up with strategies to work together with other political parties and organizations? I don't think so. You think hell strategizing with how to come up with plans to work with Hollywood or against Hollywood? Of course not. They work very well together. They're partners. They're actually, they're his puppet. We become comfortable with what we learn to laugh at. You sit there and keep filling your spirit for, full of that garbage. And all these shows that are putting all that stuff in your face, homosexuality and all that stuff in your face and making you laugh. And I promise you, you don't believe it right now, but there'll be a day you're comfortable with it. Hell's not strategizing how to stop Hollywood. Hell, they don't have, doesn't have to. But I promise you, hell is worried about a church being the church. Hell is worried about some folks standing up and recognizing and realizing, I am the salt of the earth. I am the light. Did you notice what verse 14 says? See, this is what, this is what we get ingrained with all of our life. Starting at a young age for us that started coming to church when we were young. This little light of mine. I'm going to get excited because I'm not, I'm getting ready to shoot it all down. I'm going to help you out. Some of y'all ready to shout. No, don't do it. This, there's a couple things about that song. First of all, the adjective. This little light of mine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Did you, do you see what he says there? He did not say, you are a light holder. You're not a light character, carrier. <laughs> this is us, man. This is us. Here we go. Ready? This is us. <laughs> this little light of mine. 
And we really like shining our light when there's all kinds of light. Because then we don't stand out. I'll shine, whoa, I'll shine, I'm an apostolic, I'm a Pentecostal on Sunday night. Shine my light. When we walk into work on Monday morning. Hey, what'd you do last night? Church. What? Church. So I get church. Church? Sunday night? Church? I mean, if you do that at all, you're supposed to just do that Sunday. You were in church last night? Yeah. What kind of church? Apostolic. What? I was setting our account. I was setting us up for a, a, a online deal for uh, some church stuff the other day. And what, what's the name? Antioch the Apostolic Church. Antioch the Apo. Can you pronounce that for me? Sure. Where's apostolic? What's that? Oh, well, we just, you know, we're, boy, Sunday night, man, you got your little, you got your little light out. Shining. Oh, you're not a little light. And you're not carrying a light. You are the You are the light. Most of the time, we don't walk around with that revelation. That wherever I go, wherever I walk into, I am walking as the light. The problem is we judge the majority of what we judge based on what we see. I got a feeling if we could ever have our spiritual eyes open, it'd change our perspective a little bit. Because I am of the opinion, of the belief that when you walk in someplace and light walks in, naturally nobody may recognize it. But I believe that in the spiritual realm, because John tells us the light shine into the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. 2015 comprehend to us is about understanding and, 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 and understanding something. But that word comprehend is about the fact the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not overpower the light. Didn't matter how much darkness there was. When light showed up, light takes over. Ye are the light of the world. Isaiah 52, verse number 1. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put thy beautiful garments, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth thou shalt no more come into thee, the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down. What he's saying there? I kind of well, I don't want to get up and sit down. That's kind of weird. What he's talking about is you are you're in a position, a posture of defeat. You're in a position of of, of intimidation. You're you're down on the ground. And so when he says, get up and sit down, what he's saying is, I want you to take your rightful place. 
How much confidence would you have in me if I walked in here every service and just kind of sat over, you know, and finally it's my turn, so I'm going to... The problem with these glass pulpits, you can't hide. This is, I'm glad I didn't learn how to preach behind this pulpit because I was able to learn how to preach behind that wooden one. As long as from here up everything was still, it didn't matter... What was going on underneath, you didn't know. I'm good. He said, arise. Get up off, get up off the ground. Brush the dust and the dirt off you. Get the, get the things off your neck. Get the stuff that's got you depressed and discouraged and weighted down. Shake it off. It doesn't say it here, but have a Samson moment. Just shake some stuff off and realize who you are and where you belong. And heaven is His throne and earth is His footstool. So if I am in the body, then all of that stuff is under me too because I'm in His body and it's all under His feet. Last passage, 230 verses in it, but it's the last one. No, I'm just joking, just joking. Haggai chapter 2, verse number 1. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw Antioch in her first glory? Who, who is left among you that, that saw Antioch in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Well, I don't know what's going on around here. Just ain't what it used to be. Usually when you go through transition, things aren't what they used to be. Just saying. And part of transition is for things to grow and develop and come better. But through the process of transition, there's a bit of instability. How do you see it now? How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Huh? Well, we just, we just aren't what we used to be. We just aren't, we aren't the YMCA anymore. We're not the warehouse. We're not 80. We're not 81. No, we're not. We haven't resembled it for a while. Excuse the grammar. It ain't over. We ain't done yet. He which hath begun a good work is going to finish what he started. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. 
And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord. And work. I, I, I like to be strong and sit. I like to be strong and relax. No, he said, be, be strong and work. Why? Because I am with you. I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remaineth among you. Fear not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry lands and I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory saith the Lord of hosts the silver is mine the gold is mine saith the Lord of hosts and the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former saith Saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And one of the reasons the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house is because the scripture says he is coming back for a glorious church which doesn't have spot nor wrinkle nor blemish but it's going to be victorious forgive me forgive me not all of you non-sports fan but as many of you have heard me say this last week especially a week ago Thursday and Friday as a sports fan I think are just about the two best sports days all year because the college March Madness NCAA basketball tournament kicks off. It actually now starts a couple of days before that, but for all of us traditionalists, we still hold out for Thursday. That's the, what one of the broadcasters say it today. Well, it's the second round, but I just can't accept that. It's still, to me, the first round. So, One of the reasons it's, it's so exciting is because there's, there's usually what they call the Cinderella story. It's the team that comes in with doesn't really have a shot or a chance. First off at winning the whole tournament, but a lot of them at even winning a game. But without fail, what usually happens throughout the tournament, and especially the first round or two, is there's some teams that just happen to get hot. I am of the opinion that in a one-game championship, the best team doesn't always win. Because sometimes the better team has an off day, and the, and the, and the lesser team just happens to have the day of their life. And so, you just never know. But the other thing that happens year after year after year happened last night sat with my March Madness app on my iPad as 
undefeated Kentucky played the fighting Irish of Notre Dame. 30, what, is, what are they now? 30, 38? 38 and 0. It's been since the 70s since there was an undefeated college basketball team that went all the way through. And when they did it, it was less games. 38 and 0. Unbelievably amazing. But I had been doing other stuff, and I turned it on, and it's the second half. And when I turned it on, the fighting Irish are winning. Within the last few minutes of the game, at times they were up by as many as six, seven points. It didn't look good. looked like there was going to be an upset. But a funny thing happened. The team that was supposed to win pulled it out. And they won. See, don't ever judge your walk with God by any one moment of the walk. See, if we're not careful, we let our walk with God become identified by a moment. We allow us to define ourselves by a moment, and usually a moment of failure. But there's this really awesome thing about God. He doesn't judge you by the performance. He judges you by the outcome. Paul says, Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. Have you ever read the story of Abraham? I read the story of Abraham, and as I read the story of Abraham, I find a man who is not fully persuaded. I find a man who doubts. I find a man with fear. I find a man who takes matters in his own hands because he's a little uncertain if God is going to come through. I find a man that takes fleshly advice to bring about spiritual promises and it never works. And yet Paul comes along in the New Testament and refers back to Abraham and says he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. Listen, if you're not down today, that's okay. If you fall today, that's okay. Because a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. And the prophet said, rejoice not against me. Oh, my enemy, when I fall. It's not over with when I fall, but I'm going to get back up again. And the outcome is not going to be determined by the fall, but it's going to be determined by what happens at the end. And so it is with us corporately. There's some times that we get knocked down, but don't judge us by today. Don't judge us by a moment because the ladder... The latter is going to be greater than the former. And the only hope the world's got is that the latter is greater than the former. We are the light. We are the hope. We are the answer. I know it's Jesus in us. I, 
that's, that goes without saying, okay? I hear someone, well, what about God? What? Duh. The only reason we can say the church is because of God. Talking about us without Him, I'm talking about us with Him. But we gotta be, we gotta be who we are and do what we're called to do. Sister Trish, come please. I really, I really doubt. Again, I'm, I have no idea. I really doubt. I really doubt any lives were changed by that young man standing there for hours and hours holding his sign. I, I really doubt anybody went home and stopped their cable subscription. Really doubt anybody went home and seriously altered what it is they were watching. Really doubt it. But you and I have something so. I can think to say is so much more and that's that's stupid to say that's so under that's so undervalues that that's that's so under communicates to just say we've got something more duh he had flesh he had his 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 intellect he had his human effort but you and I have a power in us that can work through us So I, I know we want the well, we want the sun part, we want the other parts, but in the midst of all of that, we also got the soldier part. We've got the army and the fighting part. And if somehow Zion, the church, is not awake, somehow we don't rise up and put on our strength and get ourselves up off the ground and sit down where we belong there is no hope the church has got to be the church the church doesn't have to be a church the church doesn't have to be just an organization with a good group of people, with good people that gather together. And, you know, overall, we, we, we make our mistakes, but overall, we're good people. We don't really, you know, do all that bad stuff everybody else does. It's, we, we can't become indifferent and just stop there. The world, the only hope they have is us. telling somebody the other day, I don't remember, actually it was was Brother Jordan last week at lunch. Sorry, they'll have to forgive me to go to heaven, so sometimes that's nice to have that card to play. This wonderful couple, this family here, they came in for our congregation reviews back in January feeling discouraged what are we accomplishing how can you think we're this or that whatever I was telling brother Jordan I don't remember exact details several years ago brother sister Williams I know the world didn't know it 
I realize D.C.'s politicians didn't recognize it. But a community, the atmosphere of a community that was continually in the news for all of the crime and the issues that were going on, that community not not knowing what happened literally began to settle and change because the church Is it, is, it, is it any wonder, is it any wonder the enemy battles us so consistently with devaluing what we are and who we are and demeaning and belittling us and, and pointing out all the lack of impact that seem to be happening? Is it any wonder he does that? Is it any wonder he's constantly bombarding our minds that we are wasting our time and we're failures and giving all kind of energy and effort to something that's worthless. Is it any wonder? Watched it. Sunday night, is that when the Terrapins played their last game? Watched as the Maryland Terrapins played against West Virginia Sunday night. Their senior leader, Des Wells, one of their star players. I watched as that senior who ought to know better, allowed one of the defenders to get in his head. They caught it on camera as he was jawing with them at the end of a play. The Chicago Bulls went through some of their heyday with Michael Jordan. They had a fellow by the name of Dennis Rodman. Part of him was he was a good rebounder and good defender. But another part of it was he had a way of getting in people's head. Series with the Utah Jazz. He got in one of the one of the great players of all times. Got messing with his head. The enemy knows. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how much anointing you have. Doesn't matter how much power and authority if you have. If he gets you in your head causes you to question and doubt what you got and what what you have and what it can do he knows he knows he's got you that's why he doesn't want you to realize who you are what you are and that whether i can see it or not i am the salt and i am the light and wherever i go that light is shining and is not being overtaken. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads if you would, please, where you're sitting. I'm going to give an altar call this way tonight. Perhaps there's a number of you that don't need this, but some of you do. I want to give an altar call to those tonight that would say, you know what, I, I need... If I'm going to be the church and be a part of the hope, I need a better revelation and an understanding of who we are and what we are and who I am and what I am. I I, I need some more confidence, not self-confidence, not confidence in me as an individual, but confidence in the God that is in me. Confidence like David had when he walked out on that field that day to face Goliath. And he said, you come with a sword and with a shield, but I come in the name of the Lord. 
here tonight and you would acknowledge, Pastor, I, I need some of that. I need some of that confidence like David had that I am walking in the power and the authority of the Lord and, and that I truly can be used by God to affect the world around me. And I, I truly can push the enemy back, not only by my prayer, but also by my presence or your presence that is in me. Let me, let me take it another step here. If maybe you're here tonight and you would acknowledge, you know what, Pastor Ryan, I, I think I've become a little bit indifferent. I've been content and satisfied with church about me. I've been content with just going through the motions of church. And I'm faithful. I'm here when it's time. And I go to care group and I'm involved and, and I'm faithful. But I would acknowledge I've been indifferent what's going on around me I've been indifferent to the, the battle that's taken a place in the world around me but I don't want to be one of the ones guilty of allowing evil to triumph because I simply did nothing I don't want to be a contributor to the enemy triumphing because I just did nothing I want to rise up and recognize who and what I am in you take my rightful place exercise the authority and the power that I've been given so that I can be a part of the hope that the world has, the only hope the world has. Come on, folks. The glory, the glory of the ladder, the glory of the ladder is going to be greater than the former. The ladder reign is going to be greater and the former rain. God saves the best for last. You and I are not just hanging on and enduring. Somehow we got to make it to the end so we can just be saved. No, 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 no. We've been called to be salt. We've been called to be salt to affect the flavor of this world. We've been called to be light not to carry a little light that we let shine but to be to be light not just walking around with my little light that I'm not going to hold under a bushel but when I walk around I am the light not just carrying a light not just carrying my little light but I am I am Come on, young people. Come on, young people. You've been given an opportunity and an invitation to be a part of the greatest thing there is. The world can't offer you anything greater than the opportunity of being a part of the church of the living God. The world can't offer you anything more significant than being a part of the church. The church that's going to be victorious. The church that is destined to be victorious. There's a lot of things that aren't going to last. There's a lot of things that are going to fail. There's a lot of things we've had our hope and our trust in. That at some point that's not going to continue to be what they were. But the church. The church of the living God. is and will be victorious.
church, the church, we might be trailing in this part of the game. We might be behind in this part of the game. It might be down right now, but it's not over. It's going to be a glorious church. It's going to be a great house. It's going to be a great house. It's going to be a great house.